Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Well, hey, if you're brand new, I'm Tyler. I'm the pastor here. Uh, I'm excited. I want to get into the message. Uh, before I do, I got to give a shout out to my boy, Mike T. Come on now. The man, the myth, the legend. The word is life. If you didn't watch his message, you better check it out. Just that part with your mom speaking scripture over you. Man, it's powerful. Love you so much. Do we love Mike T? Oh, oh, oh. All right, turn your Bibles, John 5. Here we go. We're going to stay in the series, Who is This Jesus? We're going to see another facet of just how great our God is. I love what Spurgeon said. He says, as his years went on, he found out that Jesus was a thousand times more kind than he ever could have imagined. Some of you just need to hear that real quick. The more and more you fall into the Lord, you're going to find out he's way more kind, way more good than you ever could have imagined. We're going to see a kind, good God in John 5. Here we go. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. I actually got to go to Israel last month and got to go to Bethesda. You visit St. Anne's Church. It was constructed around 1300 AD, and they have the pool of Bethesda there. So uh, I understood now why it would be so hard to get in the pool because it was more like a, almost a cliff hill going to those two pools with the five porches. And so beautiful uh, uh, picture here. There's a crowd uh, of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed. A crowd of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, judgmental, the gossips, the greedy, the self-righteous. Well, I'm coming for you today. I could keep going, but I'm not going to. You're, you're lucky. I'll stop right there. Okay, here we go. Um, crowd of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Woo, stop. There's just something about being at the right place at the right time. And today is this guy's day. 38 years, he's been uh, paralyzed, laying on a mat, and he's going to be at the right place at the right time because the right person, his name is Jesus, is about to show up. Can I just tell you real quick, you're at the right place at the right time for the right thing in your life. Come on now. Now, I, what else I love about this picture, if I could just show it, there's a lot of facets. I'm going to hop around a little bit. Is I love that Jesus, that he, out of all the porches, he picks a guy that's been paralyzed for 38 years. It's like a guy who got sent to prison. Because the world is more like a prison than anything else. There's just this sin makes you a prisoner. It makes you a captive. But it's like Jesus showed up to a prison, and he picked a fight with the biggest bully, and he knocked him out. And if you're in the house today, you need to know something. This guy who was laying for 38 years, paralyzed, and you think your thing's too big for God, just stop telling God your thing's too big for him. I, I, the guy even, check out, here's what happens. I want to preach, preach all of it right now, but I got, relax, Tyler. Be cool, be cool. You got 35 minutes, 32 minutes and 53 seconds still. Be cool, be cool. Okay, um, when Jesus saw him, he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? Ooh, that's a loaded question from the Savior. If you don't know what a loaded question is, you're not married yet, okay? Oh, they're real. You know, like, does my dress look nice? Like, that's a loaded question. You better give details of why it looks nice. You better be passionate, and you better answer quick. You better not be like, well, bam, done. Loaded question, you lose. You know, hey, what are we doing tomorrow? That's a loaded question. Do we have plans tomorrow? Did you, did you plan a date for us? Where are we going? Oh, was there thought put in our date day? Or is it like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. Loaded question. So Jesus comes with a loaded question. There's facetness. Do you want to get well? Because I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I, as I was studying this, I just came to this place in my life. I'm done telling Jesus how hard things are. I'm done telling him, Lord, the Bay Area, only 4% are Christians. 
I heard a new stat. It's almost made 2.5%. God, well, what are you going to do? And God's like, you think that's too big for me? The, 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 the scholars call this the trilogy. And this is the last part of the trilogy. And there's John uh, 4, 5, and 6 together, but mostly 4 and 5. And the trilogy is, you see the, the salvation played out in three stories. One is the word of God with the wine. The word of God is the authority. When you hear the word of God say, come and be saved and believe, it literally goes into the atmosphere. And then by faith, those who believe, grace is what does all the work. And that's what we see in the, the, the third part, this grace, is grace chases you down and your eyes are opened and you receive what God has for your life. And so there's this moment right here. you got to understand this. He's, he's telling them this silly excuse. And, and I've told the Lord, like, oh, Lord, I mean, can I just tell you something? I'll, 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 i got, I got to share this with you. Um, I remember when we planned the church, I was like, Lord, I just pray one day in this Bay Area where it's hard to pastor that over one weekend we'd have over 2,000 people come to Mission Church. That happened on Easter already, five years in. And it made me laugh. I was like, Lord, I make, I make you way too small when it comes to my problems. But I, I don't have a number anymore for our church. I don't have a number of how many churches we're going to plant. It's a thousand, but I think God could even do more than a thousand if he wanted to. And the reality is, is that when you come to God with a task that seems a little too big, you better get out of the way because grace is always bigger. It's bigger than your past, bigger than your struggles, bigger than your circumstance. Grace is always bigger. Goes on. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Man, I don't know if I was in a church service when that happened. I would be losing it. Would you be losing it? Come on now. Well, here's what happens. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry the sleeping mat. Here's the religious people again. Religious people ruin church. They ruin it. My second tattoo would be religious people ruin church. And I'm like, that's too many words. Religious people suck. All right. You can't say that. Yes, you can. When it talks about religious people, you can say it. I check my Bible, okay? I put it right here. I put it on my, on my forehead. I put it somewhere because they ruin church. Can you imagine? God is moving, and somebody's caught up over a mat. Ooh, no thank you. You know, I, I, um, I'm like, Lord, like, I, I was like, kind of confused. Like, I, I talked about you, um, you know, when you came to church and you healed on the Sabbath. Like, what was it? And I, I found this theologian. He said something so beautiful. He said, maybe, just maybe, God was always healing on the Sabbath because he wanted the law to get no credit for restoration. Jesus does not want you to confuse the law for his power and his saving grace and his love. So he heals on the, 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 the day that law would say, well, if I do this, I get punished. But if I do this, I get rewarded. And God goes, religion doesn't, does neither. Grace does everything. That wasn't in my message. I thought I'd just give it to you, extra stuff. <laughs> Holy Spirit just moving right now. Come on now. Um, are you ready for the message? Uh, top of message is when Jesus asks questions. When Jesus asks a question, it has the potential to change your life forever. We you bow your heads? God, we come before you, and we just simply ask that you would breathe on service. God, just like the question you asked this man, would you like to be made well? Lord, may our response be yes. Everybody say yes with me. Yes. God, we, we, you have our yes. God, would you make us well? Would you set us free today? Would you restore broken minds? Would you destroy depression and anxiety? Would you heal broken bodies? Would you restore marriages? Would you restore relationships? Broken dreams, God, vision. Would you bring it back to people again? God, would you breathe on service? And God, may my words fall to the floor and your words soar. And everybody said? Amen. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna kind of camp around this, this one little part of the text. Jesus asked the question, would you like to be made well? And as we look at this question, I think we should have some questions for the question. And the first thing we got to ask is simply this, is what is going on here? 
Let, 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 let's, let's unpack this picture real quick. Let's, just, let's unpack it. So five porches full of blind, lame, and paralyzed. Lame, if you don't know what that is, it just means somebody has something constant that is painful. Somebody has constant depression, constant anxiety, constant physical pain, just a constant wound because somebody they love betrayed them. It just makes them, makes them not have the fullness of life. It makes them live a life of lack. So now picture five big porches full of people just sitting and laying there. This would be a really sad sight to lay your eyes on. Five full porches of just people. And if you could just walk around the porches with me and kind of picture yourself there real quick and, and see certain people and, and, and some, some who are blind, some who can't hear, some who can't walk. And if you could transport that feeling, if you could bring it to present day, and if you could just open your eyes and see what's happening in our world right now. It, I, I read this, um, this article this week. The CDC came out with that the second leading killer with um, 35-year-olds and below is now suicide. Second leading killer. And, 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 I, and you got to ask yourself, why would that happen? And the reality is, is when people are laying at the wrong porches and not getting healed, what is their last option? And so we have this very sad moment that, that, that Adam's sin in the garden has made us heirs to this huge debt of sin. Now, I, I, um, I, uh, I was with my parents, gosh, a long time ago. My grandma passed away, and um, my mom was getting phone calls from debt collectors. And uh, I happened to be with my mom for one of those calls, and it was a debt collector for my grandma. Uh, and the debt collector goes, hey, um, we're calling on behalf of Peggy Berry's debt. Would you like to pay her debt? And my mom goes, no, thank you. And the debt collector goes, all righty, thank you so much. Have a great day. And I was like, what was that, mom? She's like, I've been getting like three or four of these calls already because your grandma loved online shopping and your grandma also loved credit cards. And so they're calling to see if I want to honor the debt. And we don't got no money for anybody else's debt. So I've been saying no. And I thought like, what a funny thing. You can just like call, hey, it's, it's debt. Can you pay it? No, I'm good. Now, catch this real quick. Adam sins. Our great, 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 grandpa. Add some more greats in there. Great, 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 okay? And sin, the debt collector, calls you and say, it's time for you to pay Adam's debt. You do not have the authority nor the income to say no to sin. So sin comes into your life and makes you blind, lame, and paralyzed. Maybe not physically, but spiritually and emotionally. And the five porches, let's just be honest, it is no longer the pool of Bethesda. The five porches is Sunday morning at Mission Church. Some of you were dragged here. Some of you knew you needed something because something's broken in you and it brought you through those doors. So we got to give these people credit. They're at a place that they think that they can maybe be healed. And so you could just put yourself in the group now and you understand, well, this might just be a morning for me, for God to meet me and change me and transform me and make me well. If you're wondering why you're so good at this, but then you're so bad at this, it's because sin owns you. You're so good at your job, but then you're so controlled by lust. You're so good at this relationship, but then when you get in other relationships and people do this, you, you respond in such a terrible way. It's because the debt of sin has its talons in you still. Can I do a little bit of teaching real quick? So when you get saved, uh, the theological term is justification. 
you've been freed from the penalty of sin. Sin has lost its, 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 its sting against you. It's no longer is going to be the thing that you have to pay. Uh, when you die, you'll, you get to go to heaven. Now, the next part of your life is sanctification. Sanctification is being freed from the power of sin, a.k.a. Um, when you get freed from the penalty of sin, you still have your old nature, your old sinful things on your life. And, and if you do not go to the right place, this sinful nature will stay on you and have you lay around for 38 years blind, lame, and paralyzed. But sanctification is coming to the Savior, and the Savior says, would you like me to take that off now? Because you have the authority to say yes now. You have the authority to say, take this off of me. I want my new clothes. Take this old anger off of me and put my new clothes on. Take the lust off of me and make me pure. Take the shame abuse off of me and make me whole again. You have that authority now because that's what um, uh, salvation does for your life. And then once you uh, encounter sanctification, the day that you meet Jesus, you'll be glorified and the presence of sin in your life will be no more. Ooh, that's a good picture, yes? And so the picture here is Jesus is going to do some uh, justifying, saving. He's going to do some sanctifying. So the picture we have is, is a bunch of broken people, a.k.a. Mission Church on a Sunday morning. And Jesus is in the room. That brings hope, yes? So the second part of this is it's a bunch of broken people trying to find wholeness in a broken system. Um, if you were here a month ago, I preached on when Jesus comes to church, and I talked about it. He was a frustrated Savior uh, um, because there was a frustrated religious system. Well, Jesus attacks the religious system, but now he goes into the world and attacks the world system. And he is... Frustrated, he is gracious in the way that he handles it because he goes into a place and he doesn't shame, he just creates an invitation. Now, now you need to hear this real quick. John 5, 4, you won't find these in a lot of your Bibles, uh, verse 4. It's actually um, uh, omitted out of a lot of uh, the translations because uh, verse 4 uh, was actually added in the 4th century, and it's not found in a lot of the manuscripts. And so, uh, therefore, uh, people think it was added, and also historians and theologians think it was actually a wives' tale what verse 4 says, which it was, and I'll unpack what verse 4 says. I'll read it to you, actually. You won't find it in your NIV or ESV, but in New King James, uh, the older uh, translation, uh, it says this in verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, the, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had had. So there was this legend that an angel would come down from the clouds, touch the water, ripple, and whoever ran in first, they would be healed. If you actually take the tour, but you find out that there was actually an underwater, the water would actually be filled up this way, so bubbles would sometimes come because of pockets, and it would make a a swelling, so people think it was an angel. So so if we could just, again, let's, let's get back in the five porches. People are laying there, looking at the clouds, waiting for an angel to come down. And while they're looking at the clouds... The Savior of the world is walking among them, and they don't even see him. Well, can you picture this with me real quick? Jesus is walking by. Could you imagine if this is Jesus walking by, and I am believing in the world's superstition or the world's way, and my eyes are here, and I miss him walk by? Oh. And so Jesus chases a man down and simply says, by grace, do you want me to make you well? And my question for you is, is what's your cloud that has your eyes off of Jesus? Because if I could just submit this to you, I've been pastoring for almost 20 years now. I actually feel like I have a little bit of weight that I can say behind this now. Almost 20 years, 20 years in July. Is that it shocks me how many people I pastor for years and they don't get any better. They don't get any kinder. They don't become generous. They just stay just as selfish and just stay in that same place in their life. And the reality is, I think one big reason is they come to church 
and they have their eye on a cloud instead of the Savior. Some of you, you came to church, you're not looking for Jesus. You're looking for a spouse. Let's be honest, your cloud is a person. You're like, where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? Let the lion roar, roar. Oh, 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 oh. she's saying, you know, she puts her hand up. Okay, no ring. Let the lion roar, you know. So as Jesus trying to get your attention, your eyes on a different cloud. Some of you, you don't want a savior. You just want God to help you get a promotion. Your eyes aren't on the savior. Your eyes are on the, can I, can I find me an assistant to help me get my life to where I want to get? And the reality is, is that until you take your eyes off the cloud and you fix your eyes on the savior, you'll be laying on the porch for the rest of your life. Now, you know, here's what I love about grace. This man's eyes were on a cloud. A lot of you did come to church for a spouse and you found Jesus. A lot, of, a lot of you came for the wrong reasons. And Jesus, in the middle of service, if I could just, and you know who you are, because I was one of them. You didn't come looking for Jesus. But as you were looking at everything else, watching and judging, Jesus came and tapped on your soul and said, Would you like me to make you well? Don't you love grace? Don't you love that he chases you down in service, even when you're looking at clouds? So let's, let's unpack this real quick. Um, I want to kind of, I want to hover around this thought of why people don't grow. Um, and I mean, I, you've heard me say this before. I've said this before, like, um, I'll talk to people all the time and when I ask them like, what, what their prayer is for, it's always for their circumstance to change. I want a new job. You know, my kids, my spouse, my life. Ah. But very rarely people go, me. Oh, me. I'm driving me nuts. Me's the problem in marriage. Me's the problem at work. Very rarely do people want to get changed. Everything else around them, Yes. Because even the man gives an excuse, well, the people are in front of me. He gives them a circumstance. And the reality is, is you've came to church and you've been trying to change your circumstance through these three different ways. You may be the eager one, the selective one, or I call it just, it's just the talker one, the, the, the one that just goes through the motions. And at the end of this, I'm praying that we all become the man that was laying on the mat and understands who we are. So let, 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 let me see which one you are. I feel like it's good to know thyself so you know how to walk away from thyself, okay? And so the first one is in, in, um, uh, in church, you have the eager ones. You have the eager ones. Now, um, I worked at a gym when I was going to my first uh, few years of college, uh, and uh, it was the Melcorn YMCA. Shout out to Puyallup, Washington. Come on now. Paige gets it. Paige on staff is also from Puyallup. Come on now. Isn't that crazy? Um, and Melcorn YMCA was the only cool thing we had in our city. Uh, it was a huge gym that had two water slides, an indoor running track, three full court hoops, and a massive workout facility. Um, they had mas- mas- uh, massage therapists. I mean, it was like the coolest thing ever. So I was like, I had to work at the only thing that's happening in Puyallup. So I worked there. And um, I remember like I would be at the gym and I would like see p- the same people that would come six, seven days a week. Some after a year, just like, I mean, it's like, bro, you, you did work. And the year shows. The other ones, who, uh, a year later, just walking around, a little bit thicker, a little more unhealthy. That's my unhealthy walk, okay? Um, and I'd be like, how in the world do both these people hang out in the same gym 
six, seven days a week, and one gets healthy, and the other one's unhealthy. And one of the first reasons why is the people that would come in and wouldn't know what to do, but just to do it with their own idea of how to work out, they never saw progress. I'll call these ones the eager ones. I actually have a video to show you the eager ones. Check it out. I'm actually gonna try this one out, actually. I think this could actually be a really powerful workout. It's called, it's called Stay on the Ball. No idea what he's doing. Multitasking. Stop it. Get some help. Stop it. And then playing chess on the machine. Come on. Now, picture this with me. A lot of, lot of imagining with me today, okay? Imagine being a trainer. No, not just a trainer. The world's greatest trainer the world's ever seen. And you walk into a gym and see people doing that. You would say, oh my gosh, who told you how to do that? And the reality is, is that that's what religion looks like in church. When Jesus walks in, it looks that ridiculous, probably even more ridiculous. You're trying to do that to get healthy. You're trying to do this to get fit. You're trying to do this to have spiritual breakthrough. Because the trainer doesn't walk in, the savior of the world walks in. And he sees people doing the weirdest things to try to redeem themselves. They're eager, but they don't know the word. And if you don't know the word, you are susceptible to be tricked by the enemy and to go by preference and feelings. And so the first thing you have to understand is if you are hungry for God to change you, hungry for God to make you well, hungry for God to have your life be everything it's called to be, you better get to know God. Which leads me to my second point. You have these eager ones, but then you have what I call the selective ones. And the selective ones are when I first started working out, totally my journey. I um, saw this movie. I wouldn't recommend it from the platform. Not appropriate, but I was not as sanctified back then. It was a movie called 300, okay, with King Leonidas. I was in my early 20s, and I saw the movie, and Gerard Butler was just, okay? And, uh, and so I, I said, you know what? I'm going to go on Operation 300. I'm going to get Spartan fit. So I found out their workout, and I literally started lifting like crazy, working out. Um, and uh, I basically thought, okay, pecs, biceps, and abs, the beach muscles, like just work those out for a year and I'll look like a Spartan. So I get about six months in and literally like my body gives out on me. My back has no back muscles. My abs are starting to show it's kind of cool, but I have no back muscles. So I literally like, like I can't stand up at just pure pain and I have to go to a physical therapist. And he's like, what have you been doing? I was like, I've been working out. What have you been working out? My abs and my pecs and my biceps, you know? He's like, I was like, total meathead moment, okay? Um, and uh, he's like, you have to work out your whole body. Tell me things about planks and muscles I never even heard about. And, and, and if I could just show you this spiritual picture right, real quick, is when you come to church, you see something you really want. The fullness of life. Maybe you see a marriage, like I would like my marriage to be that way, or maybe a life you don't want to have your life that way. But you get selective on how you think you can get there. I'll go to Sunday church, but I'm not going to small groups. 
I mean, I'll, I'll do small groups, but I'm not going to serve. And so what happens is you pick a handful of things that are mandates from God for your soul to be healthy and transformed, and you become spiritually out of whack. Because when you are a selective follower of God, you are an unhealthy follower of God. Uh, let me put it this way. I'm going I'm to let you in the inner workings of our church conversations. When people come to church, we use the word seeker. We have a seeker coming to church. It's very Christian-y. I wouldn't use it in platform. Like, hey, where are the seekers at today? Raise your hand. Welcome to church, seekers. That would be weird, okay? But you have what we call a seeker. Somebody who, in their heart, they're, they're searching because they know there's something more to this world. And then once they have their eyes open, their ears open to, to the, uh, by the Holy Spirit to see the beauty of God, they raise their hand and, and get saved, and they become a believer. So you go seeker to believer. And then a believer, the Bible did not tell the church, go make believers. So go make disciples. So then once you become a believer, our, everything we do at our church, small groups, next step class, new believers class, mission track, um, serving, uh, revival, every single thing we do, our, our trips, everything. What we're trying to do is create a stream that if you jumped in it and you did everything that we had at church, you'd become a disciple. And so then there's a disciple. And then last, there's teacher. So you have seeker, believer, disciple, and teacher. And then teachers preach the word, teach the word, uh, speak the word. They create uh, um, uh, uh, disciples. They make disciples. And Jesus, of course, saves them. So we just have this cycle going over and over again. At church, we use three different terms. We have a crowd, Sundays. We have the community of our church. That's our small groups. Shout out. I think we have like 700 small groups. Caroline Graff's just killing it. Give it up for Caroline. Come on now. <laughs> Amazing. So community, it's a mandate. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Actually, relationship is so important. Jesus died for it. We're going to value it. That's part of being the community of God. You're never going to actually become who you're supposed to be in the fullness of God. Ephesians 1, without the community of God. You need people sharpening you. Uh, so so uh, that's, uh, that's community. And then we have what I call the core. The core of our church. These people, if God's word says it, I do it. And if he's asking me to do it, I'm saying, yes, Jesus. Jesus, you said to serve, I'm going to serve. You said to give, I'm going to give. You said to love, I'm going to love. You said to be faithful, I'm going to be faithful. You said not to neglect the gathering, I'm not going to neglect the gathering. I'm going to do it. And then in the midst of all this, you have people who are like religious. And they're doing things the Bible never said, and they look just as silly as those people in the video. Doing things like, like oh, we do this at our church. Where does it say in the Bible? It doesn't. Then why are you doing it? But if the Bible says it, at Mission Church, we're going to do it. And so you cannot be a selective one. So these will be the next one. So you have people who are the eager ones. That's why they haven't changed. You have the selective ones. That's why they haven't had real transformation. And then you have the ones what I call the watchers and talkers. They come to church. They can talk it. They're there observing it. But it's not really taking root in their life. I... Uh, Got to go to New York uh, for my 11-year anniversary with Rachel. And um, had a great time. Awesome trip. Then we went to Boston for the next uh, three days. And uh, this one morning, um, I emailed myself uh, a verse. A lot of, a lot of, actually, a lot of days, I actually emailed me a verse. Uh, emailed me a verse. Um, so this was uh, April 17th. And I'll wake up in the morning. I'll read. And then I'll email to Tyler Johnson from Tyler Johnson, uh, a thought, and, and, and I didn't, I, I write like some like journal thoughts to myself in it. I didn't let you read those. That's not your business. Um, <laughs> but um, the verse that really hit me, like, and it's, it's, it's one that I've read before, is always be joyful, 
Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. So that was April 7th. Hey, shout out to, I just want to brag real quick, 4.24 a.m. Shout out to the grind. Come on now. Um, whatever. Anyways, 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 anyways. Um, so we, uh, we, we fly out that morning to Boston. And uh, it's Monday, and the Boston Marathon is happening that day. Now, I'm tired. We've got a conference ahead of us. You know, I just want to relax and maybe take a nap at the hotel. And the lady at the front desk like, yeah, if you want to, there's actually, you know, a few miles away, uh, there's a nice little fish restaurant. Uh, you guys have, you know, uh, fish and chips there. And, and then you can see the people across the finish line for the Boston Marathon. I was like, ah, we've got an Uber over there. It's trafficy. Man, I just want to walk down the street. I saw a good restaurant. But I was like, man, how many times are you going to see the Boston Marathon? So I look at Rachel. I'm like, Let's go to the Boston Marathon. Now the weather's bad. It's raining. I was like, let's go do it. Let's go out there. And Rachel, Rachel is like always down to explore. She's like, yay! You know? And so I was like, all right, we'll go, we'll go. And so uh, same day, uh, here's what happened. Uh, 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 there's a marathon runner right there with his little blanket. This is a terrible decision. This is a terrible decision. Atrocious. I never use the word atrocious, but if I get angry, I'm using it. So I'm just in a bad mood. My shoes that have my new like things for my plantar fasciitis, they're getting soaking wet. I literally felt like I took a jump in the pool. I was that wet. The rain was biblical. I mean, it was just bananas. You know, it's like, ah, I was like, Lord, is this the end times? Like, what's going on? And so, so we get to the restaurant, and um, I'm just soaked. And, you know, Rachel, the whole time during the rain, she's like, oh, my gosh, it's raining. Tyler, this is crazy. You just see her other videos. Like, she's laughing, and it's like me, like, Bleh! And so, anyways, we go to lunch, and I'm just, like, sitting there. I'm like, I can't believe we did this. Like, what was I? I'm just soaking wet. And Rachel goes, are you going to be in a bad mood the whole time? I was like, Rachel, I'm soaking wet. I, I'm not like a robot, like, happy chowder. You know, like, I just, I'm, I, I'm soaking wet. Like, I, I am drenched right now. And she just goes, what happened to catching the rain? Now, if you weren't at our church three years ago, Rachel decided to remember one of my sermons. And she's been having that in her back pocket for the last three years. What about catching the rain, man? Now, if you don't know the story, I'll condense it. I was preaching on joy that day. Uh, it was Philippians 1, and I was talking about, uh, we were on our, I think, our eight-year anniversary or seven-year anniversary. We were in Maui, and um, uh, it was raining, like, every day in Maui. Like, we just hit, like, a bad rain patch. And I was like, I remember, like, you know, going, like, to the Lord, like, the first two days. Lord, I planted a church for you. It's my one week of rest. I want some sun, God. I run on sun. S-U-N, N-S-O-N. I need the sun. And I was so like, first two days, I'm angry. Day three, I remember this, the sun comes down. I'm like, oh, it's sunny. Yay. I remember walking to, you know, uh, Island Vintage Coffee and walking in for, the, uh, for a little acai bowl there. And, and I remember walking out. And out of the blue, just whoo, clouds come in, raining. And I was like, ah! It was like one of those moments. And in front of me was this little girl being held by her mom. And she was like my spirit animal. She's like, ah! She's like screaming. And, and I'm like, ah! Like both of us are screaming. We're so upset. And, and the mom out of the blue goes, catch the rain with me, sweetie. Catch the rain. And so the little girl goes from screaming to catching raindrops. She's like, Mom, I caught the rain. I caught the rain. And, and then I'm behind him. I'm like, I'm catching the rain too. We're going to catch the rain together. You be my mom today, you know. So, so then I remember coming up to the, the hotel room and telling Rachel, 
we're going to catch the rain this trip. We're going to have joy on rainy days and sunny days. We're going to have the best trip ever. Let's catch the rain together. And then three years later, it started raining. And Rachel's like, what happened to the whole catch the rain thing? You're going to preach it or are you going to live it, man? You know? Shots fired! I had a huge shotgun hole in my soul. Peppered. Now catch this real quick. Put the verse I emailed myself that morning again. That was this morning. So that morning, I emailed myself, always be joyful. Um, I am religious by default. My sin nature is religious. My old nature is religious. It is check the box, read my Bible, pray, God happy with me, life be good. And I was regressed at least that day or maybe for days to where I was reading my Bible, did the Lord, prayed, did the Lord, but that always be joyful did not make it into my soul. Because the way that I regressed to, and this is what I, I, this especially when I was an early believer, is that I used to think if I read my Bible and pray, it will keep away the rainy days. If I do this, I won't have rainy days, God. And the reality I've realized is that the reading and praying prepares me to thrive through my rainy days. And my wife helps me on it. And so if I could just submit this to you real quick. The next morning I got up and I opened up my Bible. I felt like the Lord asked me a question. Do you want me to make you well? Do you want me to transform your life? And I read each verse like the Savior was sitting in front of me telling me the secrets to my life that if I would just grab them like they were honey to my soul, I would be transformed. And at the end of that read, I deleted Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't because, you know, I was hating Instagram. I just feel like in the middle of that time, I looked at my screen time of Instagram and I looked at how much time I spent with the Lord. And I was like, Instagram will not get more time than my Savior. And to be honest, me getting rid of Instagram has been great for my soul. I missed the funny dog videos. That was my favorite thing. (laughs) Rachel and I just shooting golden retriever videos left and right. I just love a good funny dog video. So if you could email it to me, I'd appreciate it. (laughs) Um, But if you actually come before Jesus, because that question, do you want me to make you well, is him asking permission, do you actually want me to transform you? And if the question is yes, you better get ready to lean in and listen and to grab it and let it shape you and transform you. If not, you're just a walker and a talker and you're just walking around the gym and not doing anything. Amen? I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up and I wanna finish with this last thought. So um, I just wanna do two questions today. This may be a two-part, we'll see what happens. But the second question is, so we had, uh, what, is, what is going on here? Uh, what kind of people are here? But the last one is, uh, who is this man? Who is this man? Now, when Jesus saw him, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? So again, when you read your Bible, you can just stop and really process what, can you imagine me walking up to you? I'm like, hey, you want to get well? It'd be offensive. 
Like, hey, you, 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 you want to get healthy? Oh, it's me saying you're unhealthy. Like, it's, it's such an offensive question when you really, when you, when you drill down to the bottom of it, if somebody just walked up and you're like, yeah, you, I found you, yeah, out of everybody, I'm picking you. You want to get healthy? You, you, you want to get well? Because for there to be real wholeness, there first must be an awareness of brokenness. The second question that is loaded and you want to get well is Jesus saying this, will you confess you need healing? Will you confess you need a savior? Uh, I was at this retreat, this conference, with some pastors in Boston. And there's this one pastor uh, that I met and uh, he was an actor before he was a pastor, pastors in Southern California. And uh, his favorite character to play was Iago in the play Othello from Shakespeare. And I'm not gonna act like I knew anything about Othello or Iago. Uh, I'm the meathead that tried to be a Spartan, okay? My wife studied Shakespeare actually in like wherever it is in England. Where's it at? Stratford upon Haven, something like that? Sure. Um, so wifey knows a lot about uh, Shakespeare and the guy said it was his favorite character to play because he's so complex and you know, so many facets with Iago. And if you know anything about Iago, he was known in the play as Honest Iago. Now, if you know anything about Iago, he was the opposite of honest. He was a deceiver, a liar, a manipulator, borderline a murderer. And in the play of Othello, he gets passed up on a position. So he wants to tear down Othello, wants to have some other people uh, um, destroyed. And so he's literally um, portraying honest Iago to everybody. Oh, isn't that a picture of religion? Jesus said to the religious, you are whitewashed tombs. You are the brood of vipers. You, you look clean on the outside, but you're death on the inside. And Iago is honest on the outside, but he is a killer and a deceiver on the inside. And so he's portraying honest Iago throughout the play, but he is just weaving in and out and destroying and destroying. And in the midst of the play, Iago decides to break the fourth wall and speak to the audience. And things are getting terrible. People are being destroyed because of Iago's doing. And Iago says to the people in the crowd as he breaks forth, he goes, I am not what I am. And it's Shakespeare's play on Exodus 3, I am the great I am. And Iago is saying, this wasn't always me. And if you study Iago, it's amazing to actually do like case studies on him because he's such a fascinating character. He was um, betrayed by love. He was hurt by somebody. He was passed up on a position. So he had wounds and cuts because sin cuts us and wounds us. And so Iago goes, I am not what I am. Or I got to get back to being the fake one again. And he goes back to the play. And if I could just submit this to you, what Jesus is trying to say to the man, say it. I need you to say it before I can heal it. I am not what I am, but I desire to be everything you created me to be. Do you want me to make you well? Because what happens is with, with unchecked grief, unchecked wounds, undealt with um, past bondage, what happens is it, it brings us to a place of justification and entitlement. Well, because my dad was this way, I act this way. I catch myself doing this all the time. Well, I grew up poor, so therefore I don't share my food. Oh, well, this happened when I was a kid, so I do this. And so what happens is, is your past makes you something you never were supposed to be. And so you go unchecked with a wound or a grief or an offense, and it makes you 
guard yourself from people because you feel like I'm entitled to guard myself. You don't know how hurt I've been. I don't have to do small groups. I've been hurt by people. I don't need to be vulnerable. I've been vulnerable before. I can lie. I can cheat because these things happen to me. And what Iago does is he says to you and I in his play, your life will never be what it is until you break the fourth wall of your own self and say, I am not what I am. I still struggle with this. Because what Jesus is saying to you and I in John 5, because who is this man? He's you and I. He's saying, do you want to be made well? I need you to unhide everything. I need you to show me everything. Oh, and Paul got this so beautifully in Corinthians uh, verse 12, uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 9. He says, I know what makes my life complete now. I boast in my weakness because his grace is perfect in it and it's made, it's, it's, it works the best in it and he makes me something I never could be made. If you could just maybe, maybe just maybe this week have a real moment with the Lord and say, God, I am not what I am. I'm not what you've created me to be yet. God, would you create me? Would you make me? Would you free me? Would you shape me? Would you show me things to give up? Would you show me things I'm supposed to add? Would you stretch my life? Because here's what happens. He says this, uh, and this is one of the closing verses. He says to the man, pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> Again, at face value, this is offensive. Walk up to a paralyzed person and tell them to pick something up and walk. The Savior is asking him to do the impossible. But he's saying, for the first time in your life, Romans 10, 11, or 11, 10, forgive me, it says that those who put their faith in Jesus will not be put to shame. That all who believe, that trust in God, and they come to God, they will be saved. This is his faith moment. If you believe I can do the impossible and make you not lying to Iago, but actually really Iago, then pick up your mat, take authority over what's had authority over your life, and pick it up and show people no longer is this my identity. This week, God is going to ask you to do impossible things. Forgive things that you never thought you could forgive. Start living a way you never thought you could live. Start sharing things you never thought you could share. Start confessing things you never thought you could confess. And when you take authority over in the name of Jesus, the thing that owned you and bondaged you is now just a story you can tell because you believed in the impossible. I am not what I am, too. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. We bow your heads. I don't know if it's your first time or second time in church but maybe you're one of the people in the house you just have this thing, I know this is not my life. I know this is not what my assignment is, not the bondage I'm supposed to have. And today you're in the room where Jesus is in the room. Holy Spirit's doing work right now in your heart. You wanna say yes to Jesus, you wanna say yes to salvation. Maybe you're in the room and you're somebody who has fallen away from the Lord and you wanna come back home and say, Jesus, I rededicate my life to following you. If that's you with every head bowed and eye closed, you wanna say yes to Jesus. You wanna be made well today. On the count of three, catch my eye. They must be responding. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Raise it up and raise it high. I see you and I see you and I see you and I see you. Come on now. God's doing work. I see you and I see you. I see you. Hands all over. First service, same thing. God, I thank you. We stand up. I want to pray for you. What if, what if God used a church in the Bay Area to where people like you and I, who weren't where we were supposed to be, and started becoming what we are called to be, and allowed God to just do everything he's supposed to do in our life. 
what could our lives look like? What could our church look like? What could our families look like? God, I pray right now that there would be a desire that when we leave tomorrow, we leave here and we wake up tomorrow, God, that we would hear your voice. Do you want me to make you well today? Do you want me to transform you today? Do you want me to free you today? And God, may our answer always be yes. May we understand, Lord, that we cannot do life without you. God, we cannot do Monday without you, Tuesday without you, Wednesday, we cannot do the week without you. God, by your spirit this week, may we depend on your word, your presence, your power. God, we love you. Bless Mission Church. We love you. We love you. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.